You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, good morning again. As I said, my name is Brian. We're so thankful to have you here with us this morning. We are continuing a series called Playlist this morning, and we're a few weeks into this, actually week number five to be exact. And what we've been doing is something that really Jesus was the master of. Jesus would take stories that were called parables, and they were culturally relevant at the time. So when he told these stories, people understood what he was trying to say contextually based on the culture at that time. It'd be like if someone mentioned Endgame today, right? If you mentioned Marvel, Jesus would be telling a story about that. He wouldn't use spoilers, though, because he was the son of God, so he wouldn't spoil it for anyone. But he would reference stories that people would know, and then he would use some spiritual truth or something about God or something about being a follower of his, and he would make that truth parallel so people would say, oh, I see that, and it would explain the story and explain what Jesus was trying to teach them. So we're not using stories or parables in this series. We're using popular music, and we're taking a look at some of these songs and some of the lyrics in these songs, and we're doing the same thing. We're pulling some spiritual truths out of these songs and applying them to our life. So sometimes when you hear that song, maybe, and maybe God speaks to you in that way. Maybe sometimes the song comes on the radio, and maybe it's not even a Christian song, but God can still use that to speak to you in some way. And so that's what we're doing. We're in playlist and just really excited about this series, and it's been really great um, to have these songs performed. Garrett's been doing a really great job with those. Uh, we throw a new one at him every week to be able to do, and so um, we're going to jump into that in a moment. But, you know, something I really noticed in our, in our culture, and maybe it's calmed down a little bit. You can help me out and tell me if it has or not, but you know the shows that they just do on TV, especially HGTV, it's all about like the house flipping and, and Fixer Upper. Were there any Fixer Upper fans in here, Chip and JoJo? I mean, who's got shiplap in their house already, right? We've got a little shiplap over our fireplace, I'm not going to lie. We've got some, right? But there's just something about those shows that is just really, I don't know, people just can't get enough of them. They just can't. And, and it's been something that's been around for a while. If you can remember all the way back, does anyone remember the Extreme Makeover shows? Remember there was Extreme Makeover home edition and Ty Pennington was on there remember and they would they would like renovate these homes they do amazing things and it it got to the point where the renovations were so amazing and so over the top that they didn't even renovate the house anymore they just surprised the family they're like hey we're going to send you to Disney and then they bulldoze their house and then build a brand new one in a week they come back right and it's like how like TV magic because if you've ever done home renovation you know it doesn't really work like that right and I'm no stranger my family is no stranger to home renovation we've done our share actually more more than our share. We're kind of at the point now where like if we ever buy another house, we're like, I don't even care what that thing looks like. It's it's works. Does that running water, electricity, we're in, right? No leak on the roof, it's good. But we've done a lot of home renovation through the years. And we've we've done some basic stuff, you know, where you're just painting, you know, light things, right? Change out a light fixture, maybe put in a toilet. And then we've had the ones where we get in there and we gut that thing. And not even just like gut it to the studs, but I'm talking doing structural work. Like we're going in and you're removing framing, you're removing floor joists, you're removing structure out of the house. I mean, just that level of renovation. It's not for the faint of heart. One time it took us over an entire year to renovate the house that we, we got. We bought it, couldn't even live in it for a year because there was so much work that had to be done. There was not an inch, not a corner, not a section of that house that I was not intimately familiar with. Every piece of pipe, every wire, every board, every stud, every finished product, every cabinet, every single thing we knew because we put it in this house. It was 
was an unbelievable amount of work. And you think that we would just get it and not do it again. And then we sold that house and did it all over again, like two more times. And so I, I don't know what our problem was. Actually, we were in counseling once and the counselor's like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Like, seriously, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep renovating houses? Stop it. And so for us, you know, we, we've calmed down with it and I'm telling you what, sometimes when you get into these projects, you just don't know what you're in for. And you think you know what you're going to budget, and you think you know what you're going to find. But there's been some stuff that we have found when we open up these houses that it has not been pleasant. I remember one time in the second house that we renovated, we were opening up the walls, and we knew it had some, the plumbing probably wasn't the best. But we had no idea that when we would open up the walls, and it had cast iron drain pipes, which was really genius to make metal pipes to put water in, right, because it all rusts out. And so we opened up the wall and there was this pipe that came out from the second floor toilet and I kid you not the top of the pipe was completely gone so it was just a trough so no top of the pipe just a trough running from the toilet into the stack it was a nightmare and I can tell you that as wonderful as that trough was it didn't always contain everything that came through the toilet for God knows how many decades so I can tell you how wonderful the insulation was in that space it was awful. It was a totally terrible situation, but you just don't know when you get in there and start renovating what you're going to find. And I remember one time uh, we were working an attached garage. We were pulling all of the, the walls out. We were going to have to re, we had to redo everything. It was just structurally falling apart. And as we're pulling it apart, I, I, at that time I was a youth pastor and I had a student working with me, which was nice over the years because, you know, we could employ students to come help us, you know, in our renovation project and get to spend time with them. But this one time we were working, we were taking this garage apart and it was in the winter. Um, and, you know, I, I'm pretty mild mannered man. You know, I, I really behaved myself around the students because I'm trying to set a good example. But in this moment, this was the first time that in my illustrious youth pastor career, they heard a word slip out. Um, because as we were removing the insulation from the wall, there just happened to be a family of bats that were hibernating during the winter. And I just was not okay with it. I just was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting to remove the insulation. Bats are flying at my face. It was not a comfortable situation. The thing was, the student was no better than me. He was already three blocks out the door down the corner. I'm like, oh, thanks. Leave the youth pastor here to die. It's cool. I became Batman and everything. We turned into the Batcave. It was awesome. But anyway, renovating homes is a lot of work. And I don't know what it is, but there's just this obsession. People love seeing that type of show. They love watching it on TV, seeing something old being transformed into something new. And even car shows. You remember like the car shows where they would like do Pimp My Ride, like all the way back where they'd take a car, just an absolute piece of junk and exhibit would come in. Remember, they would just make it so ridiculous. I remember there was another one that if you're a car guy, Chip Foose did, and he would come in and they, it was a terrible plot. They'd basically like steal the person's car and then pretend like, you know, that they were a cop and like talking to them, you know, we're going to help you find your car. And then they would actually take it to a garage and they would just totally renovate the car, make it amazing. And then they'd bring the guy or the girl in and be like, oh, just kidding, your car wasn't stolen. We just renov you know, we just finally did the work to the restoration that you didn't do for the last 30 years. You're welcome. So, I mean, it just, I don't know what it is. People love those kinds of shows. And I, I don't know, do you guys like watching those kinds of shows where something is renovated, something's restored, something that is old becomes new? It just seems like it's something popular. We can't get enough of it. And, you know, in Chip and JoJo, they're, they're done with the shows, unfortunately, but I guarantee you there'll be something that's going to come next because the genre just won't die. Why? Because it's something we're so obsessed with, seeing old things become new. There's just something amazing about it. There's something special to see the transformation when it takes place. Hopefully, like me, you weren't foolish and started doing home renovations. Just hire someone to do it. I promise you. Just, just do it. So today, 
we're talking about a song called Brand New Life by Colton Dixon. And you might remember Colton Dixon. He was an American Idol contestant some time ago. I don't know if anyone watches American Idol. This season is actually about to end. There's a couple of contestants left. Anyone watching American Idol this season? Anyone? Okay, we got a few people. A little bit. You're like, ah, so much. So, you know, he was an American Idol contestant. And so he wrote this song called Brand New Life. And so I'm going to read the lyrics for you. And as I do, Garrett's going to come up and he's actually going to sing the song for us. But I want to start by reading some of these lyrics for you called Brand New Life from Colton Dixon. It says this, from cynical to miracles, he's opening my heart and mind. It's physical, it's spiritual. The evidence isn't just inside, but there's more than meets the eye. He's not looking for numbers, not counting our sins. It's total acceptance from within. Fulfilling the hunger, the running is done, and we know that love has come. And then I love the verse here, the chorus, lay down the pain you carry. It's a new life, ready or not, ready or not. He'll take the weight so heavy. It's a new way, ready or not. Just sit back, enjoy the ride. Welcome to your brand new life. Thank you, Garrett. Welcome to your brand new life. And I think for us, for when I hear this song immediately, I think of the verse 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. See, I think that part of our drive or part of our desire to see shows like that or part of our desire to see things old become new is because I think it's something that innately is wired in us as God's creation that when we accept Christ, when we say yes to a relationship, with him, when we choose to follow and lay our life and surrender and give it all to Jesus, that something amazing happens, that something wonderful happens. There's a transformation that takes place. And I think this verse just says it's so great that when you say yes to Jesus, when you surrender your life, when you give it all to him, when you say, God, I can't do this on my own, I am in need of a savior, will you come into my life? Something amazing happens is that we become a new person. And maybe you've heard the phrase before, someone say, are you born again? Which can be really confusing to people who aren't from the church world because it's like, what in the world does that mean? Are you born again? Like, did I like crawl back up in my mother's womb and have a second birth? Well, I mean, what does that mean? So really, it just really comes from this idea that when you come to Christ, when you say yes to relationship with Jesus, we become a new person. And the last part of that verse, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. The old life is gone, the new one has begun. And I love what the lyrics say. It says, shake the ground, hear the sound, rebuilding everything you are. We're not the same, the game has changed. There's healing now for every scar, every broken heart. See, the good news, which is the gospel, and that's what the gospel means, it's the good news. And it's the good news because Jesus took it all upon him. Whatever we face in our past, no matter what is going on, if it's hurt, if it's pain, if it's someone, something has done to us, if it's a sin, if it's something that we've messed up, a mistake that we've made, or if it's guilt or shame, it doesn't matter what it is, it is all gone. Jesus doesn't hold it against us. Even as he said in the song, it's not about numbers. He's not counting our sins, but Jesus came to give us a completely new life. There's another verse in the Bible that says as far as the east is from the west. That's how far God has separated our sins, that he doesn't hold us against us, that he sees us as a brand new creation. And so when we say yes to Jesus, when we say yes to a relationship with him, everything changes. 
that Jesus wants to give us a brand new life. And yes, he forgives our sin. Yes, he heals our hurts. Yes, everything that maybe we felt about ourselves that he wants to come in and give us new. But just like the lyrics say, rebuilding everything you are. See, we talked about home renovating and we talked about coming in and making some changes. But what we've got to understand is that many times when Jesus enters our life, he's not interested in just coming in and changing the curtains and putting a fresh coat of paint in. I think Jesus takes more of the model of the Extreme Makeover Home Edition, where he's just got to come in and bulldoze the whole thing and start over. That he's not interested in just fixing just certain areas of our life or trying to make things look nice, but he wants to come in and totally transform our lives. That it's a complete surrender to who Jesus is. And so there's a statement that I want you to get. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down and understand the difference between Jesus as a supplement versus Jesus as our Savior. See, what is a supplement? When I hear the word supplement, I think of vitamins. Anyone else in here take vitamins? Anyone else take supplements? I mean, I, I, that's what I think of that word, supplement. It's a vitamin, right? And so I, I, I take vitamins, and, and something for me is that it had a really positive effect for me. I take several different kinds. I used to struggle with headaches all the time when I was younger and even in college, and this amazing thing happened when I started taking a supplement. Those headaches just gone away. I don't, I don't struggle with them near like I used to because my body just needed something. It needed that supplement to make something a little better to fix whatever physically was going on in my body body chemistry and see if we see Jesus as just a supplement we'll view him as just something that he comes into our life to improve just certain areas that we'll see him as just this option that Jesus just comes and improves certain areas so we say yes to Jesus and it's really easy to see okay now I've surrendered my life to you Jesus and now I see you as a supplement to improve these things on my terms which I need you to enter when I pray and ask you to do these things but see that's not what Jesus is about Jesus is not a supplement. Jesus is our savior. See, Jesus wants to come in, and maybe we should have done Wrecking Ball this week instead, because that would have been really fun to watch Garrett do a Miley Cyrus song. But maybe that we have to understand that Jesus doesn't want to come in as a supplement and just simply improve. See, Jesus didn't come to improve certain areas of your life. Jesus came to give you a completely new life transforming every single aspect of who you are, every single aspect, not just certain areas, just not things that we desire, not things that we lay before. And I think that's something that trips people up in our faith all the time because we set ourselves up for these expectations of, well, God, I came to you, Jesus, you saved me, and now here's all the things that I need you to do on my term to fix my life, be the supplement, improve this, give me this, do that for me. And it's not that God doesn't want to do things for us, he does. He's a good father and he loves us, but there's a difference. There's a big paradigm shift from going from Jesus as a supplement to Jesus as the savior of our life. And I think for me, something that really helped me is years ago is really understanding that Jesus wasn't just interested in being compartmentalized in my life. What happens when we compartmentalize things? Basically, you take something and, and they say, you know, guys think like, you know, more of compartmentalized. For me, they said, you know, guys think like men typically think like a tackle box, right? And we have all the little drawers, all the little boxes, and we can just have one little box open at a time. And don't talk to us about what's in the next drawer until we're done with this drawer and we can close it, right? And then go to the next one. Women are wired more to be like a bowl of marbles, right? They can have many thoughts, many things going on at the same time. It's not a big deal for them to have several thoughts, several conversation, several things going on at the same time. That's a whole message for another day talking about the complications that come from that in marriage. Some of you, there you go. That was your 30-second marriage counseling for today. We'll pick it up next week. But see what happens is many times, men and women, what we do is we compartmentalize our lives. 
And so it looks something like this, this image, this grid that we have, where we have this grid, and you could really fill this with anything, but we have these grids or these pockets, or even think like the old mail slots, or maybe you even have those in your office or the post office box, where you have just different positions where you put things. So you've got a spot for church, you know, when we check that card, and then we have a spot for the, the relationships that we have, and then we have our time, how we spend time, or social media, or, or our job, our work, our vocation, or if you're still getting education in school, or your family, your relationship, your marriage, your children your brothers, sisters, whatever it is, and then your finances. And then typically we have a spot for a relationship with God or with Jesus, right? And it's all just compartmentalized. It's in these neat little spaces, right? Nothing really crosses over. You just, you just put the different, it's almost like wearing different hats, really. It's like you, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to church now, I put the church hat on, right? I, I'm in, you know, family, it's now the family hat. Sometimes it's really interesting to see the difference between family hat and church hat, right? Some of you, we won't go there. We won't go there. No one look at their spouse right now. But sometimes we just do that. We compartmentalize things. We put the work hat on, nothing really mixes, right? We just want to punch that card, punch the card, get in and get out, right? Never shall the paths cross. And so many times this is how we live our lives. And I don't know about you, but this is my default. This is my default, that if I'm not careful, this is where I'll live my life. But I really feel that when Jesus came to give us a new life and the old one is gone and the new one has come, that he doesn't want us to live this way. I believe this chart is more accurate of what Jesus is asking us to live like. That in the center of everything that we do, in the center of everything we are, instead of compartmentalizing things, instead of just putting things in their neat little boxes and never letting there be bleed over, that God, that Jesus wants and he desires to be the center of everything that we do. That the center of all that we are, the center of all of our activities, the center of everything we do, that Christ is at the center. So instead of being neatly put into a box and just checking that box, instead, Christ, God, they are at the center of everything we do. And now it infiltrates and it begins to change. That instead of putting off the hats and taking off the hats, that we're just putting on the hat that we're a Christ follower, that Jesus is our Savior, and that we are in surrender to him. See, this is to me the difference between Jesus as a supplement and Jesus as our Savior, putting him at the center of everything that we do, beginning to filter everything that we do, every hat we wear through the filter of being a Christ follower. Because Jesus didn't come just to improve certain areas of our life. He wants us to surrender everything we are to him. So what does this look like? It's starting to ask ourselves the question and begging and seeing, understanding that in our marriage, this is a good thing because it's not just about us. It's not us figuring it out on our own, but it's putting Christ at the center of our relationship in our marriage, saying, you know what? I don't have what it takes. I'm never going to be a good enough husband in my own strength, ever. I'm never going to be a good enough father in my own strength, ever. And if I keep those boxes and keep it compartmentalized, I will fail. But when I put Christ at the center of my relationships, I put Christ at the center of me being a father. And believe me, there are times, man, if you are not a parent, you understand that there are times when nothing will bring you to your knees more than when you were a parent of a child or you were in a marriage and you recognize how inadequate you are because you've got to put Christ at the center. God doesn't want us to put it in different compartments. He wants us to be the Lord of our lives. He wants to give us a brand new life, understanding that everything we are, he is at the center of it. And when he's at the center of it, it begins to change the way that we do things. See, it's not just about bringing God glory and singing praise him when we're here on Sunday mornings and the team is leading us in worship, as wonderful as it is. Putting Christ at the center when we truly begin to live this way, when we throw the grid out and we start living with Christ at the center, everything that we do works towards bringing glory to God. 
So what does that look like? That means like the job that I have, even if I don't like the job, even if my manager is a total jerk and everyone would totally agree with that statement, heck, your boss might agree that he's a jerk. But it doesn't matter if Christ is at the center of your job. You see that through the filter of God. You are at the center of this. I'm gonna choose to bring you glory through it. I might not like it. I might not agree, but I'm going to honor you and bring you glory. And I'm gonna serve and do the best of my ability because God, that's what you desire for me to do. And I'm gonna keep you at the center. And you could just go round and round with that chart and your relationship and your time and your finances. That God doesn't want you just simply putting him in that box and saying, God, you're here in my finances. Now that we honor God with our finances, with our generosity, with our giving, that we trust him. And see, all these things, it's not the negative. It's just that it takes work to do this. See, our natural default, and maybe it's just me, but my natural default, I just want to go to those boxes. I just want to compartmentalize it. I just want to have that moment in church and then just move on. I just want to deal with my family in that moment and move on. I just want to punch the card at work and move on. I certainly want to just take care of my finances and not bring God in the equation. But when I understand that when I have God enter every single part of my life and the old life is gone, the new life has come, it's so much greater. It's so much greater when we do it with God at the center. And so what does this look like? What, this question I have of what, what does it look like to surrender to the process of becoming brand new? What does that look like? How, how do we surrender to it? And I really underlined here surrender and process because I think we've got to understand this. This is not something that happens naturally or easily. See, when we say yes to relationship with Jesus, yes, he has forgiven us. Yes, he holds nothing against us. Yes, he is ready to set us free. There is healing that he can set us free from all the bondage, all the sin, all the pain all the regret. Yes, it is all there. It is all available. But we have to make a decision after we say yes to relationship with Jesus, we have got to surrender. And this is the difference between supplement and Savior, because Savior says, I've got to surrender to you. God, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. I've got to surrender to the process. Surrender to the process. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it really was like Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Wouldn't it be really wonderful that you just said yes to Jesus? He came in with a bulldozer, tore everything down, and a week later, everything was fixed. There were no problems. There were no issues. Your marriage is perfect. Your kids are perfect. The job is perfect. There's no financial issues. Everything is wonderful. It's all great. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, right? The churches would be filled. Sign me up. How do I get on that supplement plan? I need that vitamin. Show me the way, right? But that's not how it works. We've got to surrender ourselves to the process. Say it with me, the process. That was weak. Surrender to the process. Yes, come on, it's a process that we've got to surrender ourselves to. That is not an easy thing to do, but it's a process that it takes work. See, when we got that first home and we were naive to think that we were just going to come in and yeah, it needed some work, we had no idea that it would take a year, over a year, and tens of thousands of dollars, more than we ever thought we would spend on a renovation. We had no clue what we were getting into. But see, I want to tell you today that when you say yes to relationship with Jesus, just like when we were starting that renovation, you've got to surrender to the process. And it might not happen overnight. It might not be easy. It might be a fight. You might open up some walls and find some families of bats nesting in there. You might open some walls in your life and find some not some pleasant garbage garbage floating through pipes that you're not interested in digging into, but you've got to surrender to the process. You've got to surrender to that process. 
and recognize that Jesus, yes, he came to give you a new life, that the old life is gone, but sometimes it requires some work, some faith on our part to say that I am continuing, I am still in process. I have never arrived. See, the goal is to become more like Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, a Christ follower, simply following his example, following his lead. It's not trying to live up to some imperfect standard or some thing in the Bible that we could never obtain. It's not about being perfect. It's simply striving to become more like Christ every single day. It's surrendering that process. And what is that? What does it look like to surrender the process? What, how do we do that practically? If you're like, man, I'm in, Brian. I want that new life that Christ has for me. I don't want those things holding back. And see, for us at church at Treeline, the first thing that we want people to do is we want them to know God. And see, it sounds so simple, right? Well, I said yes to Jesus. I said yes to following after him. We're not just talking about a head knowledge of I know who God is. We're talking about knowing him in a personal way. I mean, how many of you can understand, you can agree, I can know somebody and know literally nothing about them. Matter of fact, you can have some wonderful conversations with people you have never met before, right? You can have even some kind of in-depth ones. But see, to really, truly know somebody is different than just knowing of them or knowing about them. And see, that's where we want to start, is we want people to truly know who God is. And so maybe for you, that's your step, and that's how you practically surrender the process. You've really got to just spend time getting to know God. You've just got to spend time getting to know him, getting in his word. There's an amazing Bible app. There is, can we just be honest here for a minute? There is like no excuse for us anymore who follow after Christ to not read the Bible. It couldn't be any easier in our day and age. Back in the day, like when I was a kid, we actually had to open a book and like turn pages. It was crazy. People would like highlight it. Like what is happening, right? Now it's on every single person's phone, every single person's device, anywhere you have internet access or don't. It's so easy. And they don't even make it complicated. It's just like, here's a plan. Pick it and we'll throw the scriptures at you every single day. Matter of fact, we'll text you, email you, and fax you that it's time to read your Bible, right? There's no way you can get around it. And maybe that's your first step to really know him, to spend time with him, spend time talking to him. Man, don't make it difficult. Maybe it's five minutes, five minutes a day starting your day. Just open that Bible app. Whatever the verse, don't even make a verse of the day. Boom, start, done. You're good. Check. Verse of the day, read it. Spend a couple minutes praying, getting to know who God is. Maybe your step is finding freedom, recognizing that when we say yes to Jesus, all of us still have a past, all of us still have baggage, all of us still have hurts, all of us still have things that we've got to get through, and so you might need some freedom because before you can look till tomorrow, you've got to deal with today and your past. And so maybe that step for you is getting involved in a small group, saying yes to coming together in a group of people because this is wonderful, and I love what we do here on Sunday mornings, but if I had to choose, I would say get in a small group. Make it happen. Get into a group because we don't want to be a church that has small groups. We want to be a church of small groups. You see the difference? And life change happens better in circles than they ever will in a row. And so you've got to get in a group, find freedom, get around people who are going to love you, who are going to care for you, who are going to push you through the process and say, you know what, we're going to help you surrender this process because we're going to hold you accountable. And we're going to do it in a loving way because we believe in you. And so maybe that's your step is, is making that step to get in the group and finding freedom. Maybe you need to discover the way God shaped you. Maybe starting that process is saying, understanding that God has given you some gifts, that he's put some abilities inside of you, and he's given you unique skill set and gifts and abilities and passions that he wants to use you to make a difference in someone else's life. See, this is where we miss it so many times as Christ followers. This is why so many people check out of church and they're done with it, because they think it's just simply about punching a time card and coming on Sunday morning, singing a couple songs, hearing a message, and then we just go on our day and we don't do anything that has been deposited in us. We don't do anything with the investment that God has made in us. 
See, God has called all of us and he's created all of us on purpose for a purpose. Two greatest days of your life, the day you were born and the day you discover why. And so maybe for you, it's time to just start discovering that why God created you. And so we do something called growth track where you can do just that, make the first step to figuring out how God created you. We just wrapped up one yesterday. It was awesome. We had some people join us. We do some really fun things. It's a great time together. And so maybe that's your step to surrendering to the process is finding out how God shaped you, how he created you, and then finally to make a difference. Maybe you know how God's created you. Maybe you'd come to Growth Track and it'd be a total review. You're like, I already know this. I know how God's wired me. I know what I'm passionate about. So what does that step look like for you? That step is making a difference. That is your step. Did you know that in studies, the people who are the most fulfilled in life, and this is even in secular studies, this isn't just Christian studies, but in secular studies, the people who are most fulfilled, it's not the people who are the wealthiest, it's definitely not the people who are famous. Can we just all agree that there's like no fulfillment in that? Why does anyone even want to be famous? That's like highway to misery, right? It's not the people who have all of the stuff or successful in their careers. The people who find the most fulfillment are the people who recognize that they're making a difference with their life. They're making a difference with their life. And maybe this is your step to finding and staying and surrendering to that process that Jesus is saying, I'm wanting to give you a completely new life, but you've got to just stop focusing on yourself and taking care of yourself. And you need to start investing and loving in somebody that you need to start serving maybe in kids ministry or hospitality or in tech team or worship, using the gifts, the things that God's placed inside of you. Maybe you have a heart for community service. Maybe you have a heart for missions. And you want to step out and allow God to use that and lead a team and take a group from Treeline to love some children in an orphanage across the globe. Whatever it is, God is calling you to make a difference. And for us here at Treeline, that's being a part of the dream team. So I, I don't know if that's your step, but you got to figure out what it is. And I want to challenge you today, whatever it is, challenge you to make that step to surrender to the process to becoming a completely new person and saying, Jesus, you're not just a supplement that's here to improve portions of my life, but I'm going to surrender to you as my Lord and my Savior and give you every single bit of it. So maybe you need to know him. Maybe you need to surrender your life with him, spending time with him. Maybe you need to get in a small group and find freedom and find some people who will help you deal with the things that bring you the most angst and anxiety. You just need someone to be able to talk that through and have them point you to Jesus and how he can bring healing. Maybe you need to discover how God's wired you and shaped you and get a part of growth track. We have another one coming up in a couple of weeks. Maybe you're supposed to get on the team and find some, some way to serve. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to sell you on serving here. If you find that God has wired you and gifted you in some way and you serve out in the community, you do something that has nothing that we do here, that's the win. That's the win. We just want you to serve and use the gifts and the abilities that God has given you to make a difference. Maybe one of those is your next step. And interestingly enough, there's another step that really personifies what we're talking about today. See, if Jesus has given us a new life, the old life is gone, a new one has become. If we've been born again, we talked about that, right? If we have really surrendered our life to being Christ followers, there's another step that we actually have to do. And I got this question. You might know where I'm going with this, but what is the deal with water baptism? What is the deal with that? Like, what is that about? Like, why do we see people, like, getting dunked in water? Like, how does that have anything to do with the Christian walker following after God other than, like, we just want to have a pool party? Like, what is going on here? What is the deal with water baptism? Well, simply put, baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. So just answer a few questions of what's the deal with water baptism. Water baptism is something that Jesus has commanded all of us 
us to do. Take a look in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, baptism is simply an outward expression. I like to put it this way. Baptism is going public with your faith. It's saying, I understand that when I came to Christ Jesus, I became a new creation. And so baptism, water baptism is just a symbol Nothing, nothing, it's just a symbol. So there's people like, Do I, does that mean I'm not saved if I'm not bad? No, you're not. <laughs> if you've said yes to a relationship with Jesus, you've got everything you need to have that relationship with Jesus. But God wants us to take a bold step for him. And the great thing is Jesus tells us to go baptize everyone. And here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus never just talks about it. Jesus always backs it up. Jesus, the son of God comes to this earth and he himself is water baptized. Can you believe that? Jesus himself is water baptized. He goes and finds John the Baptist, aptly named, right? John the Baptist, and he comes and he dunks him, right? I think it would have been really great if Jesus would have messed with him a little bit. Like if you would have put a little Moses at the Red Sea, you know, they go to put him down in the water and the water splits and he's like, ha ha, got you. Wouldn't that have been great? I mean, come on, if I was Jesus, I would have had a little more fun with it. I mean, I would have a little more, come on, you're son of God, you got all the power, do it, just mess with him. But, you know, whatever, he didn't. He decided not to do it, you know, and there was a dove that came down and all that good stuff. I can't promise that at your baptism, but Jesus, Jesus. So he had a dove show up. So I guess he did a little something special. Um, So Jesus led by example by doing water baptism, and he asked us to be water baptized. So if you have said yes to relationship with Jesus, if it was last week, or if it was 50 years ago, or 100 years ago, it doesn't matter when it was. If you have never been water baptized, I want to challenge you to take the step to be baptized. If you've been baptized before, do you need to do it again? Nope, you don't need to. But it's just something that we do to go public in our faith. And it's wonderful. It's exciting. I don't know if you've ever been in a service where people are baptized, where they're just symbolically doing something, where they're saying, hey, I'm just going to put my life and say, God, you made me new. I've surrendered my life to you. And so it's just a symbol, just like Jesus was he died and he was buried and he rose again. That's when we're baptized. It's just symbolizing that, that we're going into that water, the old person, and we're coming back up in that brand new life. And so we have our next baptism, our very first one, actually. I'm so excited for this, Sunday, June 2nd. If you have never been baptized, just want to encourage you to take that step. Be bold. It's wonderful. Invite your friends. Invite your family. I mean, some of you, they've never seen you without your hair done before. So if you just tell them I'm going to get wet in front of you, they'll be like, yeah, I'm there, right? And they'll take pictures, and they'll be on social media. It'll be wonderful. You can invite your friends. Invite your family. Make a bold statement that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Be bold enough to make that decision to follow after him and surrender everything to the process of completely becoming a new person. See, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen. It's not always easy. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it can be extremely frustrating because it feels like, God, I surrendered my life to you. Shouldn't shouldn't everything work out in the end? And friends, it will work out in the end, but maybe not on this side of eternity, not the way that we want it. But surrendering to the process is saying, Jesus, I trust you enough that even if things don't work out the way that I want, even if I don't constantly get my way, even if I don't see you do everything the way I want you to do it, that I'm still choosing to surrender. It's raising that white flag. Not my will. Not what I want. Matter of fact, at the end of his physical life here, Jesus at the end, crying out to God, Moments before he was to be betrayed and crucified, he made a decision to surrender to the will of God. And he used these words. He said, God, not my will, 
but your will be done. That is surrender. And that's what Jesus did for us because he was willing to surrender his life. We can surrender our life to him. So I wanna challenge you today. Every single one of us is still in process. None of us has arrived. And surrender that process, whatever that step is for you, continue to surrender the process of becoming the new life that God has created you to be. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you today. Lord, we are so thankful for the good news of who you are, that you came to give us new life. God, what a great news, what a great story is that it's not about us, Father, and it's not about us being good enough or earning your love, but you just simply saying that, you know what, you came to me, you believed me, you trusted in me. I'm not gonna hold the past against you. I'm freeing from all of that guilt, all of that shame, all of the pain, all of the hurts, the self-inflicted wounds and the wounds that were inflicted by others, whatever it is that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not holding it against you. The weights are free. It is gone. You no longer have to be bound by that. You're not bound by those labels. You're not bound by your family tree. No more. You're not labeled by anything. You are only because you have now come to the relationship with Jesus that you are a son and a daughter of God. So God, I pray that we would find freedom in that today. God, I pray that there are those here today who would just feel that weight come off, Father. Maybe even the striving of trying to do it on their own, of trying to fix the problems by trying to overcome, to get the breakthrough, to fix the relationship, to fix the finances, to fix the job situation. They would just surrender it to you, God. I say the old life is gone. I just give it to you, Lord. Every aspect of my life be at the center of it. God, help us to no longer compartmentalize who you are, but put you at the center of everything we do. To stop taking the hat on and off of being in a relationship with you, Jesus. But to put you at the center of everything that we do, everything we are, recognizing that when we do that, God, life, (laughs) it'll be challenging, it'll be hard, it'll be difficult, but living in surrender to you is so much better than us trying to do it on our own all day, every day. So God, we thank you. Today as we're here and every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you have never made the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never made the decision to do that first step of truly knowing God and you can't identify what it is to become a new person because you're still living in that old life trying to do it on your own. But God wants you to know that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he has a plan for your life. And he doesn't see you the way that you see yourself or the way that others see you, but he loves you and that he created you and that he has a purpose and a plan for your life so much greater than anything you could ever imagine if you will just simply surrender it to him. So maybe today it's your decision to say yes and surrender to that process by taking that first step of giving your life to him. Maybe you're here today and you would say at one time, Brian, I said that prayer. At one time, I surrendered my life to God, but I'm just not there anymore. I've not been following after him. I've not been pursuing him. My life definitely doesn't look like surrendering to any other kind of process than just living for my own desires or living for what I want. And maybe today, Jesus is calling you to surrender your life once again and recommit your life and come back to that first love, that freedom that you once knew when you came to a relationship with him. Maybe he's just calling you today and say, come on, come back, come know me, come surrender your life to me.
If that's you today in either one of those categories, while no one's looking around, just gonna ask you to do something brave. We're not gonna call you out, but we're just gonna ask you to slip your hand up if that time, if that's you, if you wanna recommit your life. Awesome. Anyone else? Awesome. Okay, I see those hands. Awesome. We're gonna pray out loud together, and whether you raised your hands or you should have, we're gonna ask everyone to pray this prayer out loud together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we cheer and clap for those who made a decision to come to a relationship with Jesus today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.